Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. On DAB, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. Good evening, I'm Hannah Wilkes and this is the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. The series is tied at one game apiece after South Africa defeated the Lions 27 points to 9 yesterday. It wasn't pretty, it wasn't all that fun to watch and from a Lions perspective, uh, and boy oh boy was it long, but it does set up a massive match next weekend. Over the next hour, we're going to assess where things went wrong for the Lions yesterday. We'll get the thoughts of former Lions, Alex Corbusiero and Lawrence Delalio. We'll also hear from inside the Lions camp. What did Warren Gatland make of the match? There is so much to get into. And look, how are you all feeling, Lions fans? Disappointed, nervous, deflated, a whole lot of meh, just me? Whatever the emotions are, 24 hours on, we have got you covered here on Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. So the Lions had an opportunity to wrap up a famous series victory over the Springboks, but it was South Africa who forced a series decider next weekend. All the action yesterday was live on TalkSports. We're underway. Test number two here on TalkSport. South Africa and the British and Irish Lions. And Andre Pollard will be taking the shot at goal. And Andre Pollard was never going to miss that. And... As last week, the first points of the Test match belong to Andre Pollard and South Africa lead by three points to nil. The South Africans come from right to left, ten metres out in front of the post. Kick pass out to the left-hand side by Andre Pollard, looking for Vipipi! Vipipi will score! He burst through the tackles, the kick pass was perfectly weighted and the South African winger Catches it, rides the tackles and places it down perfectly onto the whitewash. And really their first moment is an attacking threat in the game. And South Africa scored the game's first try. Makazola Mbibi with his 15th in international rugby. And it means South Africa are into the lead. They lead 11-9. South Africa managed to spin around and just keep the momentum going. They're coming in towards the post. Here's Ibn Etzebeth. They're five metres out. Just to the left-hand side of the post. It's penalty advantage, says the referee. Fatakluk dumps it through. Lacanyuan. Can he get it down in goal? I think he might have done. He's dotted it down and gets it onto the floor just before the dead ball line in goal. And South Africa will have their second try of the game. South Africa win. 27 points to nine in the second test. Andrew McKenna was your commentator yesterday. And look, there is an awful lot to talk about coming out of that match. There was an awful lot to talk about at halftime. The first half alone lasted 65 minutes. And what I will say is conversation about the referee and refereeing dominated the build-up to this match. And it will come up during the course of the next hour here on Lions Daily. But... I'm loath to talk about it too much off the bat, Alfie Reynolds, who's with me on TalkSport 2, because we've already talked about it so much. There's, there's so much debate about the, the impact and, and the way the game was refereed already. We will get into all of that, but ultimately, it was a really strong performance from South Africa. What did you make of the game? Yeah, good evening, Hannah. As you say, it'd be very easy for us, I think, to go in two-footed at the start of yeah. the show and talk about the refereeing and the decisions and was it wrong, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get on to some of that later because I think the first thing to mention on the show is congratulations to South Africa. Well said. 
As Lions fans, we're really frustrated, but they were good yesterday. They got the job done. They came back 1-0 down under pressure, needing to keep the series alive. I, I, I did think they were worryingly impressive. I have to say, in that second half in particular, they were playing like world champions. And I just think the, the, the Lions stopped playing. We had no answers. We had no sparks. And we'll hear this later as well when we when we talk to Alex Corpsiero and Lawrence Delanio. But it was a complete flip of the script from the first test where... You know, the second half, Lions came out guns blazing. The, the substitutes had an impact. This time around, it was momentum the whole way from that second half whistle kicking off. South Africa got a, got a try early on and that just set the tone, didn't it? We had not we had nothing, no response from the Lions. Exactly, yeah, and you mentioned the try as well. Again, it was the blueprint of the second half last week. It was just the other way around. It was the South Africa that scored the early try in the second half and they had the momentum and kept it for the remainder of the of the match, which was really disappointing. I've got to say that the second half from a Lions perspective was bad. I oh, mean, the whole game yeah. wasn't great, but but the second half from the like they didn't look like creating anything. It was turgid. It was slow. Their penalty count was really really high. I'll be honest, that there's going to be a lot of Lions fans tuning in uh, to the show who are probably pretty despondent on what they saw. I am one of those Lions fans. I'm not going to lie. I've got a couple of stats there to back up what you're saying as well, Alfie, in terms of, you know, the whole match. Mm. Grim, grim reading for the Lions. 14 turnovers conceded, 15 penalties as well. And if you look at just sort of metres carried, and, you know, I think we're going to talk a lot about this show, about how we just gave up, we weren't creating anything. The Lions only made 284 metres carrying the ball yesterday. To put that into context, that's their lowest in a test since 2009. And at that point, when they had a bad game in the 2009 series, it was a new low. And that was 524, thanks to Russ Petty on Twitter for posting that one. It was just not pleasurable viewing. Although what I will say in the first half, it was so turgid, it was so stop-start that really it could have gone either way and then just off the box went. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, that stat, I think, says an awful lot, really. 284 metres carried with ball in hand for the Lions, way lower than than if you look back. And, and as you say, Russ Petty put a really good tweet up today in terms of the, the previous test matches since 2009 and how much metres carried the Lions had. It was way down on any of them. It sums up what we saw. So a hugely disappointing game from a Lions perspective. But credit where credit is due in terms of South Africa, the world champions. Former Lions second row Benke admitted that the Springboks were simply excellent. They had all the momentum going into the half-time break, but the last thing they wanted was to stop for 10, 15 minutes and then come back onto the pitch with a renewed, reinvigorated South African team. South Africa were magnificent in that second half. They played it absolutely perfectly because they were on the ropes in that last quarter of the, of the first half. But I think that you know the, the mall was a big area that will be a concern for Warren Gatland. The back three were absolutely torn apart with high kicks in the air. And when you're playing against South Africa, that's your bread and butter. They didn't deal with it. And I just wonder whether we might have to see a few changes in selection from Warren Gatland going into next week. We know how important the aerial battle is when you're playing South Africa. And it has to be said, with um, with no holds barred, that the lines were completely destroyed, really, under that high ball yesterday. Dropped, being knocked off. People, Stuart Hogg, probably feeling a bit bruised I'd imagine this morning after the way some of those balls were ricocheting off him and every time there was so much ball in the air it never went the Lions way and I have to say in the second half I was sat on myself thinking why are we still kicking this thing because we're not we're not gaining anything with these box kicks and Dan Bigger's chip-ons as well intentioned as they are we weren't getting anything from it so frustrating to watch yeah I think Stuart Hogg uh, Van der Merwe Anthony Watson they all had a, a fairly disappointing day under the high ball I felt in the first half like it was okay in that, you know, yeah. the Lions were in the lead and maybe it, it was a bit more of an arm wrestle. But as you say, in the second half, it got to the point where the Springboks were putting big up and unders in and you didn't have much faith in the Lions for, to actually catch them, really. Whenever they were under pressure, they were knocking the ball on, turning it over and it, it all led to that kind of slow... Uh, lack of momentum kind of game plan from the Lions. Really, really frustrating. But credit to South Africa because they did execute it fairly well. We will hear from Robbie Henshaw, actually, about the high ball situation shortly. But first, let's hear what Warren Gatlin thought, particularly on that second half performance. The second half, we just just didn't get anything, really. Just got no momentum, no, no, no real opportunity to play. We got nothing at all from any sort of kick returns, whether it was us or them. And... You know that was that was disappointing, and we've probably given away some penalties. In fairness to them, they scrummaged pretty well in the second half, drove a lot, 
and got some reward from that. Like I said, we were happy with the way that the first half had gone and we felt uh, going into half time that uh, we'd carried well, we'd got some forward momentum and um, we just didn't, didn't achieve that at all in the second half. Didn't really do much of anything in the second half. It has to be said, really, doesn't it? And I have to say, my main thought watching that game, and, and Warren Gatlin spoke about it there as well, there was no creativity. There was no forward flow. There, there, was, there was no really for either team, actually, particularly in the first half. No long passages of, of play where we actually build up any, built up any phases. And I think that was my main thing, walking out and walking away from watching this game, was just sort of, you know, you know test match rugby is always going to be tense and it's not going to be free-flowing, attacking rugby. It never is. But there was no real sense of forward momentum at any point from a Lions perspective. Yeah, well, uh, to a degree, I think it was the game plan. Warren Gatlin said there they were happy up until half time and the team selection we said last week suggests that they were going for the arm wrestle and just trying to get themselves over the line because that was kind of what worked for them in the second half of the first test. So I think to a degree, they were never planning to try and put much together in the way of attacking play in the way that we might like them to as kind of fans because that just wasn't their game plan it wasn't what they wanted to do the problem was when that came unstuck you never really felt like they had a way of changing the game after that point when that's how you go into it that's exactly it and it's what is one thing going into the second test having won the first with a sort of defensively minded game plan but in that second half in particular when that wasn't working when you weren't shutting down South Africa and they were finding a way through Lines brought on the replacements. They had no impact. There was no creative flair at any point from that Lions team. And it's all very well having that sort of park the bus mentality <laughs> to steal a, a sort of footballing phrase. When that's not working, you've got to adapt. And, and where was that? There didn't seem to be any answers, any flair, any spark. And you thought maybe bringing on Ali Price, who we know is a slightly more sparky scrum half, might add something. And even he couldn't create anything there was just a lack of of outside the box thinking I felt watching that lines I never felt once they were behind and I'm really getting on my soapbox now I'm forgetting to breathe you carry I never on. really felt that we were going to get back into that game once once the lines were behind which is such a flip from the week before when at halftime they were down and they came out firing and hungry for it where was the hunger Alfie well, it's a very good question, Hannah. I think the the problem here is you look at play and you mention Ali Price and players like that it, it's not always down to the individual in terms of it's also no, of what's happening not. in the context of the game. And also to go back what we said at the top of the show, you know, South Africa were close to the South Africa who won the World Cup in that you looked at them defensively and you thought, how are we going to break them down? And I think I think it sets up the third test so nicely, doesn't it? That That's the one positive from this weekend. Of course, we'd have loved the Lions to wrap up a, a series victory, but it comes down to a decider. We've had one test where the Lions have come out on top and we have have another where South Africa look really, really good can the Lions break them down next weekend? It does set it up well. It does. And I think one point to really focus on with that is that you know how South Africa are going to play the game. They don't vary their game plan from week to week. Last week, first test, it didn't work out for them. This week, it was essentially the same game plan, but they executed it incredibly well, so it's a case of you know how they're going to play. What are the Lions going to do? What's Warren Gatlin going to do this week to make sure we outplay them, we outfox them? Are we going to hear from Robbie Henshaw or shall we go? Yeah, let's hear from Robbie Henshaw. We've talked already about the uh, the battle in the air and how the Lions very much came off second best in that. Centre Robbie Henshaw told TalkSport that simply they do need to be better in the air. We knew they were going to be physical. Um, we knew they were going to drive us in the mall and they were going to go to the air and... Um, I suppose for us, uh, we'll be disappointed with how the aerial battle went, but we, we have plenty to fix up there um, and we'll, we'll review it uh, on Monday and, and make sure we're better. But um, again, they played, they played a bit more rugby, but again, I think that what they did, what they're good at is, is physicality and, and uh, the, the high ball contest. Yeah, it's got to be said that South Africa didn't play much rugby at all in the first test. Played plenty of it yesterday evening. This is the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grounds, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. Don't forget, you won't miss a single moment of the Lions with us on TalkSport, whether that's from South Africa as news breaks, analysis and opinion in the build-up to the big games and then the live commentary of all the test matches on TalkSport. Next up here on Lions Daily, don't go anywhere because we'll be chatting with the former Lions prop and friend of the show, Alex Corbusiero. Luke Cowan, Dickie and Tyg Spurlong's afternoons are done Ken Owens, Rory Sutherland 
and Kyle Sinclair are on. Put in for South Africa on the Lions 22. They've got penalty advantage. The scrum's going forward and it will be another penalty to South Africa. And this is starting to look like it's definitely going to be a home victory. Trevor Nyakane gets up and sticks his tongue out. We know how dominant the Springboks can be in the scrum. My goodness, didn't they show that just yesterday? By the end of the match, as we heard that the Lions were very much on the backs back foot when it came to the scrum in particular. And I'm delighted to say that former Lions prop Alex Corbusiero joins the show now from somewhere on the west coast of the United States. Um, Alex, where are you going? What are you doing? It sounds like a very exciting Sunday for you somewhere between San Diego and L.A. Yeah, I'm en route from San Diego to LA. Uh, I coach over here at the LA Giltinis in the in the MLR in America. We're in the finals, a final later today against Atlanta. So it uh, should be a good game. It's free in the UK on uh, the rugbynetwork.com if you want to check it out. Nicely plugged. Um, look, we won't keep you too long with a with a big a big day ahead there. But look, I mean, what did you make first of all of that second test between the Lions and the Springboks yesterday? It, it was a it was a tough one. It was a a, a real gritty test match. Uh, I would say that it lacked a little bit of you know risk or creativity from both sides. But if I sum it up, I thought you know the Lions one 0 up, played a sort of game plan that they didn't really play to win, but they played try to not to lose and play the percentages and and try and best South Africa in that sort of stalemate of a game. And in the first half, it was kind of working, but then in the second half, I thought. South Africa really sort of turned up the intensity in some of the key battleground areas, which was giving them reward and then really sort of gave them, you know, the points on the board and, and just the control to, to pressure with the style of the play they wanted. And the, and the Lions didn't really have an answer once that happened. Yeah, the Lions just look completely like you say, no answers whatsoever. South Africa was so dominant physically, um, like we know they can be, but so different from the first test. Where did they find that point of difference, do you think? Was it, you know, a case of they just another week playing together, training together, a bit more firing? Or had they made some changes? Because it looked like a similar game plan, but one that was just executed in a much better way. I think it's a combination. I think obviously this is a team that came in a little undercooked. They had one proper test together. Then you see the second test and there's a big uptake in intensity, physicality. There's obviously a rollover from having more game time. Secondly, Backs against the wall, losing the first test, you know, the historicness, the defending world champions on their home patch, all of that sort of, you know, helps raise the sort of emphasis of their game and, and, and produce a better performance. And, and then lastly, I just think that the Lions weren't as, you know, clinical and, and as dominant in certain areas, which allowed sort of South Africa to put pressure there. Well, here's the thoughts. We take a listen to this of South Africa prop Vincent Koch in terms of their superior display and where it came from. Yeah, the thing is, uh, the Springboks, um, us as a group of fours, back ourselves um, up front. Uh, we're always looking for forward dominance. Um, and like I said, we really worked hard this week on focus or focusing on that. Um, and yeah, I think it paid off tonight. It certainly paid off. And in the second half as well, these, the scrums, the, the referee, Ben O'Keefe, kept blowing that whistle. It kept going South Africa's way. What did you see in that scrum? Because I know you're so good at, at analysing these things. Where was it working for the Springboks and going wrong for the Lions? In the first half, it was a tussle. Um, I thought that the Springboks were getting slightly the better of it, but I thought Mako and, and, and Tag and, and, the, and the starting pack did a good job of sort of containing the dominance that they didn't really sort of hemorrhage or, or nothing sort of too bad happened. In the second half, um, you know, I thought that the, the, the impact off the bench, um, it, you know, was phenomenal. And, and I thought they caught the bench props of the Lions out. Where, where I think South Africa are going well at the scrum time is, the Lions are using a similar scrum setup to what Ireland and Leinster use, and it was invented by Saracens. And it, you know, it, it's about having a close gap and using your power on the engage. But I just think the South Africans are using the exact same style, and and, and a lot of that probably comes from players like Vincent Cock in the side, and they're a, a bigger pack, and they they don't mind being close to the Lions. They lose a lot of weight on the binds, and really where the bad scrums came for the Lions is where they actually sort of, you know, negated the Lions engage and stopped them flattening it out. Like once Tag Furlong flat, flattens his chest out, locks out, it's very hard to move that Lions pack. But I thought South Africa did a fantastic job of, of negating that. And then really at the end, even when the Lions got a good engage, uh, you know, with Carl Sinclair and Sutherland and them, 
um, the dominance came. And, and, and that's probably the worrying sign is that the size, the physicality and the desire of the Springboks at scrum time is right up there with the best in the world. And the Lions have got to find a way to combat that and, and just be more aggressive. If, if I was the, the Lions, uh, you know, in the coach room, I'd be, I'd be saying we've got to win that battle of weight on the bind. We have to be more aggressive on the engage to stop that pack coming forward and using all their weight against us. Because once, once they get a good engage, it just becomes almost like a scrum, you know, a scrum uh, machine drill where then they're all just pushing together and it's easy. You've got to, all of these big games, or a lot of them are decided in the setup from the crouch bind to the set. And that's really where the Lions, I think, need to step up their game. Do the Lions, you think, need to, to change personnel in, in the forwards and the front row in particular? When you look at sort of um, you know, difficulties of the line-out, substitutes struggling, it was it was so different from week one, test one. I, I do think there's some changes that could come in. If Wyn Jones is fit, he's either got to come on the bench or start, depending on how fit he is and, and what they can get out of him in that game. I thought Mako... You know, for a lot of criticism on the tour that some people were throwing at Mako to come in and start that test, I thought he did very well. And and I would have, I have no problem with Mako starting this team. I think he's world class when he's at his best. Um, for me, I think probably Sutherland misses out. As I think the size of the South Africans, we, you need as big a pack as you can get here. Um, and then I think they won't change the tight edge, but at hookers is where I could see some rotation or something in there trying to combat combat them because in the middle of the scrum for them and uh, and then Marks as well so I, I could see maybe changes there You mentioned Wynne Jones Ben Kay said yesterday on our coverage that if Wynne Jones isn't fit for next week that the Lions could maybe look at or maybe should need to, to, to really seriously look at bringing another loose head out to South Africa flying someone in do you agree with that? What do you think of that idea? Uh, it's tough if you've got to fit Sutherland to fly someone in for this test. Um, as much if you're asking me, who do I think who is top of the list of who I would fly in? I'd say Joe Marlow would be top of my list. I think he's built for a test like this. Um, I think Kean Healy's another dog that you know could come in and, and bring some fight if he's fit. I need, I need to check on that. I don't actually know when I'm saying that. Um, and but to be honest, I don't really think they're going to make changes there. You've got a squad, you've got world-class players. Um, Southern has shown he can scrum well. They've just got to be really, really savvy with how they box against the Springboks because um, it all comes down to sort of the tactics and the set piece because in a straight pushing match I would say that I'd probably give the edge to the Springboks at the moment. What would your message then be in training and going into that third test to the Lions pack in particular? I think it's just that the emphasis of, of being, you know, they've got to be the aggressor and they've got to be first. And in and, and this big test, it, it's all going to come from weight on the bind, aggressive on the snap, hit and chase. If they can move the Springbok pack on the engage, they're in a good place. But at the moment, that's very rarely happening. And if anyone's moving, it's their sort of second rows and feet that are getting adjusted. So they need to get their weight on the bind, get across the gap and just keep the squeeze on. Um, I, I think if they can just take that strength away from the Springboks, they have a they have a team that can beat them elsewhere in the game. I don't think rolling them off the park needs to be the goal, but it needs to be the mindset and the intensity they bring to every scrum to make sure that they're not going backwards or fueling uh, the game plan of the Springboks. We're already hearing out of the Lions camp that it's very much sort of, you know, cup final mentality heading into the third test with the series on the line. Who do you think, after that performance yesterday, who do you think is going to win this series? Because I've got a heart and head situation going on. Uh, I think the Lions win. I'll just say it now. I think that was a blip. I've been in a team where you win the first test, takes a little bit of the pressure off in the second one. The other team is desperate and they get that. I think South Africa, because they had their backs against the wall, just wanted it a little bit more and had a bit more urgency and, and desire to dig deep. And that's no criticism on the Lions. But now that it is like a cup final and it's all on the line, I expect the intensity of the Lions, similar to that first test, to just be out of control. And there's so many big game players on that side and so much at stake. I really think they'll stand up this week. I think it will be close again. I think the Lions have to change a few things and how they attack. And, and, and where they look to play at times because I do think they need to make 
the Springboks work harder in defence. But at the same time, I'm, I'm backing them in this third test. I'm not going to lie, Alex. Hearing you say that has calmed me after a fairly nervy 22 hours since the conclusion of that game where I was convinced this is it. South Africa have got the series now. Look, so brilliant to speak to you, Alex Corbusiero. And look, best of luck as well to your uh, Los Angeles Guiltinis in the MRL final. Yeah, pinkies up for the Guiltinis. We're ready. Pinkies up. I, I, do you know what? I'm doing that in the studio. You can't tell because it's radio, but pinkies up for the Guiltinis. We love having you on the show. Best of luck uh, out there today. That was Alex Corbusieri talking to us on the Lions Daily, which you're listening to now on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. Don't forget, TalkSport has commentary of every test between South Africa and the British and Irish Lions. We've brought you two already. We'll bring you the decider next Saturday evening. And next up here on Lions Daily, we're going to talk to former England World Cup winner and British and Irish Lions. Lawrence Delalio. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Tours. Lions Tours wouldn't be Lions Tours without inspirational speeches. One day, I think I'll be able to listen to one without going completely cold and fighting back the urge to cry. Those are the words of Lawrence Delalio on the 2005 tour to New Zealand. Uh, and uh, he's been there, he's done it, he's literally got the T-shirt. And following yesterday's second test, um, I got to catch up with Lawrence, who's a Land Rover ambassador, to get his thoughts immediately after South Africa's 27-9 victory. Well, Lawrence, first of all, I mean, what was your initial reaction and thoughts on that second test performance? I know it's still quite raw, but I'm sure you've got, got some takes already. Yeah, listen, they were, um, I mean, first of all, congratulations to South Africa. They played um, fantastically well. Um, I mean, what you know with South Africa is they don't play a lot. They didn't play much differently. They just did it a lot better. Um, you know, last week, I thought they took the Lions on in, in a bit of an arm wrestle and the Lions physically stood up to that test. I think today, um, you know, I mean, it, what we got in that first half was, again, a, uh, I mean, whether Razzy Erasmus meant, meant to do it or not, um, you know, what we had was every single decision being analysed in the most minute detail, um, you know, as a result maybe of, of, uh, of the, of the build-up in that test week. And, and we got a first half that lasted 65 minutes. Um, and, you know, that's, that's way too long. Um, you know, it was a, it, it, it was a you know nine six to the Lions and and things were kind of okay but it was it was a bit uh, 
you know, it was a bit cagey as it was last week, but I thought, you know, in the same way as the Lions, you know, played all the, made all the right moves in this, in the second half last week, you know, right from the beginning of that second half, the Springboks came out the blocks fast. They, they, they grabbed the, uh, they grabbed the game and, and they never looked back really. And the second half was, uh, was a hiding for the Lions. I mean, they were beaten 21-3 in the second half. And, you know, I'm sure when they analysed the performance, you know, the, as I said, the South Africans just did what they do, but they just did it so much better than they did it last week. And, you know, the aerial battle, um, you know, was, was, we, were, we were blown out of the sky, really, by, uh, by the kicking game of South Africa. Um, you know, we couldn't catch, we, didn't, we, we couldn't seem to catch the ball. And I'm sure there'll be questions asked in that department. Um, you know, their scrum got stronger as the game went on, whereas last week, it, it, you know, it didn't. Um, their maul, uh, you know, I mean, they literally mauled the Lions um, from, you know, and, and all of these things are, um, you know, and they competed better at the breakdown. And when you add all of those things together, you know, the advantage they got in the, in the kicking game, you know, the penalties they got from their scrum, the penalties they got from their driving line out and, and the turnovers they got at the breakdown, you know, it's, it's no wonder they, you know, that they came out pretty convincing on the scoreboard. So, look, you know, my initial reaction is obviously one of disappointment. Um, but there's a reason why South Africa don't lose many test series at home. Um, I think the All Blacks and the Lions are the only two teams to, to have beaten them. Um, it's because they rarely lose two games on the trot, you know, and, and today proved to be the case. Um, and I guess if you're a neutral, what it does is it sets it up quite beautifully for the for a third test um you know it's not what the lions wanted uh, it, it is what south africa wanted um and now you know you, you you'd be hard pushed to say they're not favorites for that third test because they do go into the game with with the momentum having just won that that uh, that last match but you know look it's a it, there's a puzzle for warren gatland and, and and the team to go and solve because you know south africa play in a certain way this week they played much better, but they didn't change the way they play. Next week they're not going to change the way they play. They're just going to be even better than that. So the Lions have got to go away and and um, and either you know and either be better in the areas that that they that they that they weren't today, or do something a bit different. So um, I suspect there will be some changes to the team, um, maybe freshen things up a little bit. You know, you don't make changes for the sake of it, um, but equally there's a few key areas which I think I've mentioned already. That need to be addressed. With those changes in those key areas, like you say, the Lions just had sort of no answers, looked so vulnerable in the back three under that high ball in particular. Would you be looking, if you're Warren Gatland, at maybe full back in particular and how that back three? Well, line yeah, up? I mean, look, you're, you're right. Look, the back three, you know, I think collectively, you know, they, I think they had, they had a, you know, they, they, they couldn't cap, they, 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 could, they didn't win that battle. In fact, they, you know, they were so, we were blown out of the sky, really. And, uh, you know, I think I can remember one or two that we caught and the rest we dropped or we knocked it on. So, look, you know, as I said, you don't make changes for the sake of it. But if you are going to make changes and you think those are going to improve that, the ability to do that, um, then, then I'm sure Warren Gatlin's not afraid, as we've seen in, uh, in, in tests, in lines, deciders in the past, to make the big calls in selection. Um, you know, today I just felt that the, um, in the same way, it was almost a... a uh, that the second half was as good for South Africa as it was bad for the Lions. And it was, a, it was a complete reversal of last week. Every substitution that, that the South African team made in the second half seemed to, seemed to add momentum to their game. You know, Pollard was, much, was a much bigger influence in the game than he was last week. Um, they, they kept their best players on the field for as long as they could this time. Uh, and, and, you know, they'd already won the game. And, you know, by taking Visa off and putting Diaga on, they, they had... Um, you know that they took control of the of the, of the line out um, and uh, and put pressure on the lines and and they that they they took even more control of the set piece and the scrum and, and the tight game and and that's an area that the forwards um, as a as a unit as a squad as a group are going to have to go away and look at because you know you've got to deal with that you've got to deal with that um, and they'll be disappointed and if they um, if they don't deal with that they'll lose the match they'll lose the series um, but. You know, there's no panic. You know, we were well beaten, but they'll go away. They'll lick their wounds, uh, sort of metaphorically, as a lion does, and um, and they'll come back and they'll play much better next week. But you know, credit to South Africa. It was a uh, it was a brutal um, school bully performance, schoolboy bully performance, and um, you know, 
if uh, if you don't stand up to the bully, um, you know they tend to prevail, don't they? Really, and that's uh, that's exactly what the game was like against South Africa. It's always been that way. Um, the Lions had the answers last week, and uh, they certainly didn't this week. On that as well, you sort of wonder with the Lions having been down at halftime last week, came out so fired up in the second half, all guns blazing. This yeah. week they've got the lead coming into the second half, and it just felt like maybe the fight wasn't there, the drive wasn't there, and once South Africa got ahead. The Lions yeah. didn't seem to have any spark, any answers, even with, you know, bringing on those yeah, I mean, essentially more attack-minded players, like, you know, changing Ali Price. Yeah, I guess fine, fine margins. You know, the, um, the you know they could have gone into half-time with, with a much healthier lead. The Robbie Henshaw kind of, um, you know, no try was, was a, you know, turn, turned out to be extremely significant because it was just before half-time. And then just after half-time, literally almost in the same way as, as the Lions grabbed the initiative in the game, uh, last week, you know, the uh, Mapimpi try, I think it was 30 seconds in, you know, into the second half, they, the, the, the Springboks grabbed the momentum. And as you say, they never really gave it away. And in actual fact, they they they, um, they drove it home, actually. They, t- they turned the screw and drove it home. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it just goes to show you that, that those fine margins are, can, can swing the game. And, um, and as he said, once the South Africans, uh, um, you know, got the initiative, they... Um, they just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And, and Pollard, you know, what was he, six out of eight um, from, from the boot, you know, puts, uh, put them to the sword, really. I'm loath to talk about it too much because it has dominated the headlines most of this week. But do you think Razi Erasmus's rant had an impact? We rarely see a first half of rugby. No, I don't, think, I don't think it had an impact because I don't, think the, um, I don't think the decisions were wrong last week. Maybe the Hamish Watson one was, but that was it. And I don't think the decisions were wrong this week either. I think, you know, they, but the problem was that what it did do is it made the first half last for 65 minutes because they, they, that they analysed every single, every single minute detail. Um, and, you know, you don't need to do that in a game of rugby. Um, and I think, you know, look, world rugby have got to, it's world rugby's job to address what's happened in the last couple of weeks. You know, if they think it's acceptable for a man in his position to, be the water boy and be coaching his side on the field, then that's, that, that, that's their choice, you know? Um, and if they think it's acceptable to, um, you know, to air your views in that way, in such a public way on social media, I mean, the game of rugby is about respect. Um, and, uh, you know, we all have um, grievances, um, but we, we, um, we deal with those behind closed doors, um, you know, criticizing officials uh, is not the way to do it publicly and on social media. So, you know, that's an issue for World Rugby. It's not for me to, to comment on. Um, it's, it's, but, you know, it, it's up to them. And, and I think the game of rugby has always tried to hold, withhold, you know, hold, hold the values and the values of respect, particularly. And uh, I, I don't see that as being terribly respectful. Um, I mean, South Africans might argue, well, you know, let, let's put it this way. We didn't lose the game because of that. Um, the first half just went on painfully too long because of that. Uh, we, lost the first, we lost the game because we were beaten up by a better side. Keys then, how do the Lions make sure that next Saturday they win this series? Well, you could see that the... Um, look, I think, as I said, they'll lick their wounds, they'll come back and realise that there's a test series to be won, um, albeit with the momentum in South Africa's favour. I think what they do is... Um, they, I mean, in the same way as South Africa were hurting, having, be, having been beaten... Uh, by the Lions, the Lions will be hurting as well, individually and collectively. Um, and, you know, they'll have a point to prove. And, and uh, you know, the, the good thing is that the, the problems that they had in, in, uh, in the set piece and the, um, and the kicking game and the, and the breakdown are, are addressable in, in the space of, I believe they're addressable in the space of a week. You know, I've, I've played against teams where we've been battered one week and, you know, the following week we lifted the trophy. So uh, against the same team, so <clears throat> you know they are addressable, I believe. Um, and uh, but they, you know, individually and collectively, there's got to be an honesty there. That uh, you know, you've uh, you've got to be, uh, you've got to show a bit more courage, a bit more bravery, and uh, and be prepared to suffer. Yeah, I think they may suffer a little bit in training this week. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're probably right. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. Great to talk to you. Pleasure, always a pleasure. Thanks.
Lawrence Delalio says that the, the problems are fixable. Alex Corbusiero says the scrum issues are not insurmountable. There are reasons to feel optimistic still as we head into the third test. Uh, Lawrence Delalio is speaking there on behalf of Land Rover. You can join the Land Rover Lions Adventure on Twitter at Land Rover Rugby. The hashtag is Lions Adventure. You're listening to Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus be drink aware. Next up, I'm afraid we're going to have to talk about it. We're going to have to talk about the officiating in yesterday's match and we'll also round up all the latest uh, that we've heard from the tour today. Oh, Shedling Kobe's played Conor Murray in the air. And all the talk last week about playing people in the air. Chesling Colby's got a massive problem. Tom Curry's not happy with him. There's some pushing show. I was surprised they never went back to have a, a different uh, angle on the, the view of after Clark's tackle on Conor Murray. It looked pretty high to me and and probably Cheslin Colby is pretty lucky as well not to receive a red card. Uh, we didn't really get into that at all. We just focus on our things for this game, uh, but we just focus on, on the game tonight and we just wanted to win. I just hope it doesn't get to a situation where we end up with things on, on Twitter and um, people airing their views in that way and, and not through the pro- proper channels. It's, uh, yeah, it's been, I, I found it uh, quite strange. It was all quite strange in the build-up to the second test. If you have been under a rock or perhaps taking a very long nap over the last week or so in the Lions news, um, Razzy Rasmus, of course, posted a 63-minute long tirade against the refereeing decisions made in the first test. Uh, said he was doing it separately from his role as South African director of rugby, although it must be said he was wearing full stash whilst he did it. And whilst all the sort of lines coming out of it were that it wasn't going to affect any anything. It might not have affected the outcome, but my goodness, did it have an impact on how this game was played. There were a few refereeing decisions uh, that we heard just there coming out of the break that we will get into. But first of all, what was clear to me, Alfie Reynolds, from the very get-go of that second test was that Ben O'Keefe, the referee, was aware that everything he was doing was being scrutinised and he was aware of C. Khaleesi talking about not feeling respected in that first test match because every bit of communication he made between the captains, he spoke very clearly to both of them. If he was putting South Africans up on something, he said the same applies to Lions, vice versa, taking a lot of time to speak to both Alan Wynne-Jones and C. Khaleesi equally. And then we've got the simple fact that that first half of rugby was 65 minutes long as they checked and checked and communicated and checked again. Now, I'm not saying that checking things is wrong. We want the game to be, you know, that we want decisions to be made correctly. But my goodness, that is not the way to entertain spectators and dare I say win over new fans because that was a slog. And I say that as someone who loves their rugby and watches a lot of it. Yeah, and I think that's the concern. I mean, it is way, it is way too long for a first half of rugby. I think there's maybe a point more broadly about some of the big rugby matches I think of in recent years, ignoring the Premiership final, which was obviously unbelievable. But I think we've seen a lot of really big rugby matches which might draw in neutral fans or Mm. people that don't watch too much rugby. And it's not a great selling point for the game in that I think a lot of the ways that teams win now, particularly at international level, isn't necessarily the most entertaining rugby. Now, that's not the players' faults or the head coaches and things because they set their team ups to win the game. But as a sport more broadly and as an issue... I do think it's potentially an issue. But in terms of the match yesterday and the officiating, to to reiterate what you said, Hannah, it didn't decide the game. We're we're not saying that. I think just like in the first test, South Africa were the better team. They deserve to win. The Lions need to improve. But that said, we need to talk about the officiating because there was such a big build-up. And when I watched it yesterday, to me, I thought the officiating team looked terrified of making a big call. They looked terrified of potentially sending off Chesin Colby. They didn't really look at the Fafta Clerk tackle at all. I, I think there was an element of them, whether it was subconscious or not, that was scared to make certain decisions because they know how it would be reacted to by the, the Razzie Rasmus and the South African team. I think at the most basic level as well, the fact that, you know, a refereeing team are there to just officiate the game and make sure it's played fairly and they are now the headline again, which detracts from the sport in its own way. I thought the cross my, my mind before we delve into those instances was that I did wonder, and it did occur to me watching this game, we, we wondered the, the motives behind Razi Erasmus's rant. We know there were fitness concerns around South Africa for the first test. I mean, he slowed that game down and gave them plenty of chances to catch their breath, didn't they? I did, I did wonder if that was an unintended but positive outcome for South Africa. But let's look at the actual, uh, the actual incidences, starting with, with that Cheslin Colby. He, he took Conor Murray out 
in the air. Mm. There was a lot of, you know, if that happened in the Premiership, for example, that's a red card. He got a yellow, but it took a long time to decide to give him that yellow. And a lot of factors seem to be coming into play. The fact that he had his eye on the ball, not Conor Murray when he took him out. The fact that Conor Murray put his arm down first to avoid landing on his head. And I personally don't think there should be any mitigating factors. The fact that Conor Murray had the wherewithal and ability to get that arm down to protect his head, good for him and his athleticism, but that shouldn't be a factor as to as to whether a, a player is sent off or red carded or simbined. Yeah, and as far as I'm aware, it shouldn't be either in terms of World Rugby's guidelines. I wonder if there's another wider issue here mm. in that the game is officiated and still viewed slightly differently between the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern yes. Hemisphere. So if we want to look back earlier this summer with one of those test matches down under between Australia and France, Marika Corabetti was shown a red card and the Australian commentary team actually commentating on the game, were, were to paraphrase, I can't remember their exact wording, but was saying that it was a bad decision when looking at it from a Northern Hemisphere perspective and, and the officiating we're used to, it was it was clearly a shoulder charge, mm. essentially to the head, a red card. And I wonder, again, whether there's maybe an issue here. Because I agree, I, I think certainly the Cheson Colby one in the Premiership is probably a red card. I think the Fafta Clerk one gets looked at a lot, lot more. There wasn't really any rap. It looked to be contact with the head. So, so I wonder whether the officiating across the board needs to be more unified on these decisions. With the Fafta Clerk one, they didn't look at it too much at all, actually. They, Barely, then, went, yeah. they went, then went to look sort of what the, uh, the Springboks uh, hooker had been doing instead. I had to say, I did think the after clerk one, he did make an attempt to wrap his arms round, maybe a little high, but he's quite a small guy. I'm not, I'm not sure that that was as big an incident as it's been portrayed to be personally. Well, maybe so. And maybe that is the case. And maybe it would have been fine. In fact, maybe it's great officiating. So they looked at it once and rather than slowing the game down and taking loads of looks, they made the correct decision. I agree, though, with I know James Haskell and Ben Kay uh, and Macaron commentary yesterday were, were were questioning it a little bit more. I was surprised they didn't look at it more. But hey, as we said... I can't speak against those guys, can I? If they think it was high and dodgy, then it was definitely high I would and dodgy. say, Hannah, you do you. <laughs> you do you here. It's absolutely fine. And I think this it, it will split opinion, obviously. Uh, and I know, again, Again, it's going to be ones that Warren Gatlin and co will no doubt, I think, raise a few things with the referees this week. The one that I have got a bit of a bugbear with, and this has flown b- below the radar a little bit, was the Kanye Am's try and the grounding of it. Because, okay, he got the ball down, we think, it was it was awarded, very close to, you know, the edge of the... The, 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 the try, dead ball the line, dead yeah. Ball line. That's the line I'm looking for. I was about speaking in NFL terms, and that's the wrong sport right now, Alfie. Um yeah, very close to the dead ball area. As he went over, I was sat there and that's a try. It's definitely a try. It was the classic, right? When they slow it down, mm. it starts to look like he grounded it with his forearm. You've then got the technicalities of forward momentum, palms, all the rest of it. The phrasing, though, of the referee's question, I think this is where we need to look at because I think when you broke it down, he didn't ground it properly with a palm he wasn't in control it was a forearm that kind of got that ball down but the phrasing of the referee's question meant that it still stood and I was like I I watched it and thought that's a try he's got the ball down let's move on with our lives but if you're going to look at things frame by frame you then need to phrase a question where you can overturn these decisions a bit more easily interesting I didn't have as much of an issue with that I agree there was one angle which all of a sudden a sudden made it look like he'd knocked it on I mean look ultimately overall I think I I can't have too many complaints I think it was a try this is the thing ultimately overall if that was the other way around if that was a Lions player going over yes give give the try I think sometimes you get too weighed down in the sort of minutiae of it but I think there is that there is that sort of contradiction and almost like battle there as to if we're going to look at things frame by frame then let's respond accordingly. Um, Shall we hear what Warren Gatland thought of it all? Because he really wouldn't be drawn on the off-field build-up and the the Razzie rant. I don't really want to comment on that because I want to let, um, you know, other people take care of of that. Um, So the last thing that we need is a a war of words and things and being accused of, of doing certain things. So, you know, it's amazing to me how the narrative changed with regard to the TMO, I mean, I didn't didn't make one comment leading up to the game last week on on the TMO, and yet I was accused of questioning his um, integrity. So, you know, that's that's the messages that they were giving out. So, um, we'll we'll just keep 
keep things to ourselves and go through the proper channels when we when we deal with the referees. Something interesting here, and Alfie, I know you've got some strong opinions <laughs> on this, in that, you know, there was so much talk in the build-up last week about the officiating, and, and there was an accusation thrown as well in a South African press conference on Friday that what Razzie Erasmus did was no different to what Warren Gatlin did the week before when Warren Gatlin spoke out about the fact that the, there wasn't a backup other than the South African Marius Jonker when the original TMO couldn't fly in and that Warren Gatland had bought the the game and the officiating just as much disrespute as Razzie Erasmus's 63 minute video and even with you know my most biased lion's hat on I struggle to see those as equal incidences and I know you have some very strong thoughts yeah and it's a good job we're gonna have to break Hannah because otherwise I could go on <laughs> a proper got one minute yeah I could, go, go, I could go on a, a proper fans rant here but listen in this job and over the last few months I've spent a lot of time listening to all the press conferences Talking and things very fast I like it go on, and get in there. part of the thing that Warren Gatlin said there was the narrative got changed last week about the Lions bringing the series and, and the credibility of the series into disrepute because they questioned the team. All they questioned is why there wasn't a plan B. South Africa were very effective at changing that into the Lions questioning the credibility of Marius Jonker. And I think Warren Gatlin's absolutely right there. Very well said, Alfie. I was about to start whooping like, tell him, go on. I could him. keep going, but we've got to leave it. We have got to leave it, but it's so interesting. And, and this is always the case, isn't it, on, on Lions tours? It's never about what just happens on the pitch, on the field. That almost becomes secondary week to week between these tests. What will happen in the next five days before the third and final test? Will we see Warren Gatland post his own video on social media? I doubt it somehow, but we will keep you up to date with everything right here on the Lions Daily. You won't miss a moment, a headline or even a rumour. Uh, you have been listening to the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. Don't forget, we're also available as a podcast. You can subscribe to the Lions Daily wherever you get your podcasts or you can head to the podcast section of the TalkSport app so there are no excuses for missing out. Um, don't forget, of course, as if you possibly could, it is now all on the line on Saturday evening and you'll hear commentary of the third test between South Africa and the British and Irish Lions on TalkSport. Kickoff is five o'clock on Saturday. This is your home of rugby this summer. Next on TalkSport 2, it's Fight of My Life with Ricky Hatton. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.